should you, if you go out on Tinder or any dating app, should you take this test and should people on the opposite end make it public what their type is? Because if you understand people's personality type, would it make for a better date or a better relationship? (laughs) Interesting question. If I put my researcher's hat on, there is some evidence that some types are more compatible with each other, which is, you know, what you what you would expect. It certainly gives you the tools to know how to be more interesting to the people you want to be interesting with. So let me give you an example. Well, hello and welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. I'm your host, Timothy Maurice. And today, I want you to uncover the mystery and complexity of personality to understand yourself and others better. Because let's be honest, the business of relationships can be messy and make or break your career and personal life. So to help you, I have chartered psychologist and head of thought leadership at the Myers-Briggs Company. John Haxton, welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. Thank you for having me, Timothy. Where are you at the moment? I'm sitting, um, as you can see, because you can see me on video behind a weird coloured red wall in our offices in Oxford, in England. In England, uh, So lovely. we have offices in, in the UK and the USA and in various places around the world. Yeah, you guys are quite the, the global behemoth. Are you the largest in this space? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so. We're probably the best known. The Vice Big yeah. Type Indicators, probably the best known personality interests out there. But there are, there are certainly larger organisations than us. And organisations which are parts of which larger groups. We're just more of a little family. What I do appreciate about you guys is that you're quite rigorous in your publishing. And so I'm looking forward to digging in and getting a bit of insight. I'm quite envious of your position as well. Head of thought leadership. When you tell people that at a bar, what do you say actually at a bar? Do you say I'm the head of thought leadership? I mean, it's quite intimidating. <laughs> well, Timothy, you're assuming to begin with that I'm young enough to spend a lot of time in bars, which was a case some years ago, which, which probably isn't the case now. But it is a great job title. I have <laughs> to agree. Um, to be fair, I'm not necessarily certain exactly what it means. It means, I think, to some extent, whatever I want it to mean. But what it does involve is research into personality, into personality questionnaires, into how these aspects of who we are affect us as individuals and the work and elsewhere, and also talking about that as well. Um, So I guess for me, that's what thought leadership is. Before we dive into the formal part of this interview, I have my favorite feature on any podcast, not just my podcast, called Inside Your Mind, where we ask you Wonderful, delightful questions that explore who you are as a human being. Do you mind if we go inside your mind? I'm intrigued, slightly trepidatious, but intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's do it. Number one, beef ribs or pork ribs? Ah, dear me. Are they Chinese style or not? Okay. If it's Chinese style, I go for uh, pork. If it's barbecue style, I go for beef. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Wh- okay, I'm going to give you four this time. Winter, spring, summer, or fall? I would say spring. Okay. The brain or heart? That's an interesting dichotomy. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe they're linked, as we'll maybe find out later. But... 
you know, I'd be doing my professional disservice if I didn't save a brain. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to go there. Number four, Paris or London? London. This next one, number five, is quite tricky. Mindset or willpower? Mindset. Number six, tea or coffee? If I have to, it depends what type of day, to be fair. Mm. But if I have to choose, uh, if I could say, which one are you going to never have again? I probably have to choose coffee. Ah, okay. Man after my own heart. And then finally, number seven, IQ or EQ? Interesting question. Again, I want to have both, but you're not going to let me to have both. Um, no, they no, are two different the things. Rules. They're not two different poles of the same thing, like some aspects of who we are. Um, I would say EQ. Partly maybe because that's what I see as missing in myself more than IQ. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us on our Inside the Mind feature. Now, the first question I have for you, how does understanding personality help us compete? You know, I, I genuinely think in this kind of chaotic diverse world where people are kind of converging on each other from all over the world, that competition is is high right now. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, and you're right, we live in an increasingly complex world. Um, I suppose the first qu a question I might ask you back was, you know, it, it what is what you mean by competing? Because we, I think that could apply in all sorts of ways. I think that if we understand ourselves better and understand how we are different from other people, you can see where those differences are, that might help us compete in all sorts of ways. So, for example, it helps us to compete, I think, by being able to communicate with others in a more influential way. Because I think, you know, our natural tendency is to, is to communicate in a way that works for us. Um, and that might not work for other people. So they want to persuade other people to your point of view. It helps if you can adapt to their style to be more persuasive in that sense. We know let, that. Let me, let me before you before you continue, let me ask you then. Let me let me clarify what I really mean. Okay. So if you have two managers that are vying for a position of director, and they have pretty much the same skills, similar background, and but one of them understands the Myers-Briggs type indicator, will they have a better chance of succeeding at the next level? Really interesting question. And I'm going to be a, uh, a psychologist or a politician, depending on your point of view, and say it depends. So let me tell you what I mean by that. Okay. What what we do know is that if you look at how people's Myers Briggs personality type tends to differ between people at different levels of organization, you can see some patterns, you can see some trends. You can see that people who have an extroverted approach to life are more likely to succeed in organizations than people who have an introverted approach to life in general. That's not to say that people who have Introversion preferences are in some way worse than extroverted people. 
I myself am an introvert. But the way that many organizations are set up, the way that our society is set up, tends to favor the extrovert. If uh, we go further, we know that one of the aspects of personality type as measured by the Myers-Briggs looks at what's called sensing or intuition. Sensing, do you tend to look at the detail? Do you tend to look at what's real, what's actual, what comes from the evidence of your five senses? It's that word sensing. Or do you take the intuition approach? Or you want to sit in connections and possibilities in the big picture? We know that people high up the organization are more likely to have that intuitive approach. Doesn't mean to say necessarily we're better at competing, but maybe that helicopter view is helpful to people at higher levels in the organization compared to people who are perhaps more operational managers. Now, this is a bit of a roundabout way of answering your question, I know. <laughs> so does... I was going I was about to grill you. <laughs> so does that one manager have an advantage over the other manager? I think they have an advantage in knowing do they actually want to compete? Do they actually want that particular role? Because they understand themselves better and they'll understand better also, I think, the um, the way that job's put together, whether they actually want to take that job or else. I think it does give them tools if they decide that's where they want to go to compete better by hopefully understanding the person they're talking to better. Being able to approach that person in a way that will help them speak to that person in a more persuasive way. And it's not I just mean, a straightforward answer. It, it depends on the sure. two individuals involved. I mean, there are two levels in that one question. And I, to be fair, I should have been more clear. I mean, for that leader who, is, who understands themselves better because they've taken this you know, Myers-Briggs test, but if they are aware of the personality of others as well, if one is aware, if one has taken a test and is aware of the others and one has not taken a test and is not aware of others that they will be leading, I'm assuming that the one who is aware of themselves and others will be able to compete better. It's like in a relationship, right? Like, I mean, exactly. this is what I want to get to. What I want to get to is understanding yourself and others. It's helpful, yes. right? Absolutely. It gives, it certainly it gives them the tools to do so. Whether they decide that's what they want to do is another question. Yes. But it gives them the tools. It gives them the capacity to do so. It gives them the ability to understand better the people they're working with, the managers they're reporting to, the people who report to them. Yeah. Uh, let, let me be a little bit silly for a moment. Um, <laughs> should Tinder, should you, if you're going on Tinder or any dating app, should you take this test and should people on the opposite end make it public what their type is? Because if you understand people's personality type, would it make for a better date or a better relationship? <laughs> Interesting question. If I put my researcher's hat on, there is some evidence that some types are more compatible with each other, which is you know, what you, what you would expect. And it does give you, it certainly gives you um, the tools to know how to be more interesting to your to the people you want to be interesting with and it gives you the tools to have more have better relationships and perhaps to you know remove some of the niggles from those relationships so let me give you an example my 
personality type references are what's called INTP. So it's introversion, intuition, thinking, and perceiving. And one of the things that says about me is that I spend quite a lot of time in my, inside my head, given the chance. And in particular, I tend to make decisions to myself inside my head. Now, before I knew about type and the biasmix type indicator, I didn't necessarily realize I did that. And this would, you know, quite annoy my partner from time to time. I say, oh, we're doing this. And she'd say, yeah, we, we never talked about that. You never said that. How do we know we're doing this? And one of the little cues that, you know, the MBTI is good me is think, okay, I decided, I sort of decided that, but did I actually tell anybody about it? No, I probably didn't. Perhaps I ought to go and tell her about that. So mm. there's all sorts of little ways that your type can be uh, more useful. And that's quite useful because there's a bit of research that says that people with my particular personality type, men with my personality type, are the highest on, if they don't know their type, on what the researchers call the obliviousness index. I see. And the obliviousness index is the extent to which you are oblivious and not aware of your partner's needs and wants and desires. Interesting. And even though that is my type, hopefully by knowing that and knowing some of those shortfalls, I've been able to uh, overcome some of those issues. I mean, one of the one of the challenges that I face with these type of personality indicators is I've always found myself somewhere in the middle or crossing over or a hybrid of of the different types. Like you just mentioned the types of that the type that you are. And I just thought to myself, well, I'm part of that, too. It's almost like um, zodiac signs. I'm like, okay, I see myself in a little bit of all of them. You know, how do you let's talk to people like me? who kind of feel like, look, I'm a little bit of a lot of these. I mean, there are people who are concrete one or the other, but for those that are a bit of crossover or hybrids, talk to us. So let's pull out apart what you've just been talking about. Let's take that uh, piece you said about zodiac signs, for example. And one of the things that people do say is, hey, these descriptions of people could fit anybody. They're great. They're just like the mm. zodiac. And... Those people who say that haven't actually looked at research because people have done the studies. They've given people <laughs> descriptions of their type as they came out with MySpeaks without having had any feedback first and a different type. And, you know, the people who you gave the right description to said, that's me. The people who gave the wrong description to said, hmm, sounds nice, but, you know, I don't think it's me. So, you know, those, those criticisms don't perhaps hold water so much. Let's go to our thing about are you one side or the other? The answer is, in terms of what we do, in terms of our behavior, no, of course, we're not just one side or the other. We do the whole gamut of things. I myself have an introversion preference, yet here am I talking happily uh, to someone I've never met before, uh, not having to spend lots of time thinking through things inside my head. But that's because I've learned to do it. This is part of my job. This is a thing that I do. So although I am definitely someone who has introversion preferences, I'm an introvert, I can do and will do the extrovert thing as well. I won't spend all my time inside my head. So the MBTI is all about our preferences. It's about what is the core part of us, but we will do the opposite thing as well. That's actually really uh, helpful. Let me, just, let me just share quickly. That's really helpful. And that's a huge distinction from what I think 
your sort of default identity versus how you translate and assimilate in the world. And if you can separate those two, that is super, super helpful. And also before you go on, for those who are listening um, and they, maybe they, they want to go on and look at all the personality types, we're not going to go through all of them now, but what website do you recommend that they go and have a look while we're speaking? So I'd obviously recommend that you go to our website, which is the, the Myers-Briggs website, which is www.themyersbriggs.com. Okay. And you'll find lots of information. You'll find lots of information on, on there. I mean, in terms of that particular aspect, um, the idea behind the MBTI, behind psychological type, is we have this preference for one side or the other. But we will do both sides. It's a little bit like an analogy we sometimes use is, if I got you now to sign your name on a bit of paper, okay. I said, now put down our pen, put down our pencil, pick it up with your other hand, and sign your name again. You could do it, but it's probably a bit more difficult. Yeah, it probably doesn't come quite so easy. If you are actually left handed and you are over a certain age and you've been hit over the wrist of a cane or a stick when you use the quotes wrong hand, you actually might be very good at using the hand, which perhaps wasn't your preferred hand. You might right. be really experienced in that, really efficient doing that. Doesn't mean to save it underneath at all. You have an underlying preference and probably other direction. So we all have a preference one side or the other, but we can learn and neutralize. We do learn to actually behave in different ways because we need to adapt to ourselves. So there's been lots of research done looking at behavior and how that relates to things like psychological type. And as a big generalization, your underlying personality and your environment roughly contribute about 50% each to what you actually do. Oh, that's a, that's very interesting as well. So if you're in an environment, let's say you're an introverted type, uh, introspective type, and you're in an environment that's pulling out of you extroversion. Yeah. You know, okay. So I, for example, I'm definitely someone with introversion preference, but I do a lot of presentations and that's great. And I actually enjoy those. And that pulls on other parts of my personality because the full of my big model says, okay, this is what you tend to do inside your head. And this is the stuff you'll tend to do outside. For me, the outside stuff is what's called extroverted intuition, which are ideas and possibilities. And what your people on the podcast can't see me wave my arms around, what you can see now as I'm talking <laughs> about these things. But if I do too much of that, I get tired. So I'll be on the go. I'll have my jazz hands going there. Whilst it's going on, then I'll have to go away and recharge my batteries because actually I need to go back and spend time in my favorite world. Oh, so, so if you leave your sort of default, spending a lot of time outside of your default, it takes more energy. Exactly. Mm, this is really, really interesting. And so would you say that it's easier to achieve a flow state if you're operating more often, if your environment complements your default? Yes, exactly. And if you're working in an environment where you continually are doing things outside your default, that's tiring, that's stressful, and it's probably not good for your long-term health. Why do, they, why do they say opposites are opposites attract then? So if you're with someone, let's say you're an introvert and they're extrovert, aren't they stressing you out or no? Why is it complementary on a lot of levels? 
It's complementary, I think, in a couple of ways. First of all, yes, the evidence suggests that opposites attract. Opposites don't always long-term make good couples, if you're talking about two people. <laughs> Uh, but if you're talking about, you know, teams working in organizations, there's a lot of evidence that teams which are more diverse in terms of personality actually produce better results because you're not getting into that group thing. You've got different ways of looking at things, coming from different angles. They tend to have more conflict because of those different points of view. They tend to take longer to make decisions because of those different points of view. But ultimately, they tend to make more well thought through, more rounded decisions because they're considering all these different points of view. The research says there are some situations where teams which have all the same personality do work better, but those tend to be places where nothing's changing. People have one task to do and they're just doing it, and they're straightforward, they're just working through it, and frankly, that doesn't really apply a great deal to many of the jobs around today. So is personality largely hardwired from a neurobiological? Are you born with the cert, with a certain type of kind of neurological predisposition to be a certain personality? Is it what's happening in your mother's womb or early development, early exposure that really sort of presupposes you to a particular personality type? Or, or is it adaptable? Can you shift and evolve your personality? If you are born, okay, if you are an introvert in your 20s or 30s, can you become an extrovert or is that a futile task? <laughs> you could become somebody who can operate in an extroverted way, but that doesn't make you an extrovert. And in terms of, you know, the question, are you born and so on, going back to that conversation we had earlier, Research says that some of that is inborn and some of that is about your environment in terms of your behavior. Yeah. Okay. And if you look at young children, so I, I know as of just a, let me count this probably 12 weeks ago, now I have a granddaughter. And you can, you know, you can start to see aspects of her personality coming from already. And this thing about extroversion, introversion is one of the things that perhaps is most clear to begin with and there's a whole theory and a whole set of interesting useful information about how your personality type develops over time taking in development as a child going forward to being an adult and going on to midlife and that midlife place is interesting often for people who are finding out about their type because if you look at people who are working as coaches um many of their clients are come to, coming to them because of that midlife place, because they're starting to think, actually, is this me? Is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And it's that sort of tight midlife playing out where people are starting to use parts of their personality they, they haven't perhaps used so much in the past. Ah, I see, I see. One of the things I'd like our listeners to be able to take away is... What are some basic patterns we can look for to be able to quickly sort of assess, let's say you're in a networking environment mm -hmm. and you are an introverted type of person and you want to connect with people quicker, you know, or any type of person. You're in a networking environment, you want to connect with people quicker, but you're not sure how to approach different types of people. Are there certain things we can look for 
to be able to go, okay, that person is more extroverted. I can make more jokes. If that person is a bit more quiet, I can, you know, <laughs> I can, I should approach them this way to be more successful in that environment. Yeah. So there's a big disclaimer around the front of what I'd like to say, which is that it's considered at the worst very impolite. At the best, very impolite, and really sort of something you shouldn't do to approach somebody, say, with a big pointing finger, you are an extrovert. It's not your choice <laughs> yes. who that person is. It's their choice to decide who they are. Having said that, it's obviously useful to say, okay, so this person seems to be doing this, this is doing that. How, as you said, can I best work with them? How can I best interact with them? In terms of things like extroversion, introversion, and if you're thinking about the sort of event that you've talked about, a networking event, the first thing to say is that people with an extroversion preference, on the whole, are more likely to attend that event in the first place, because many of them will actually find it quite exciting, entertaining, a useful thing to do. But people with an introversion preference will, will be thinking, well, I need to do this for my career, but my God, I wish I didn't have to. <laughs> so if we actually look at what people will tend to do in that situation, what you'll tend to find is that people with an extroversion preference are more likely to work for a room. They're more likely to try and talk to quite a few different people to initiate those conversations themselves. People with an introversion preference are more likely to start off a little bit more on the sidelines. And then they may identify perhaps someone they know a little bit and go talk to that person. Or if they happen to get in the conversation with somebody who has knowledge in or is talking about something they know quite a bit about themselves, perhaps more, spend more time in the conversation with that person. One of the things you tend to see between people with extroversion or innovation preferences, is people with extroversion preferences tend to have a lot of eyes in the fire. They may have a lot of different hobbies, a lot of different things going on, but they're not necessarily always in a huge amount of depth where people with information preference will tend to think about fewer things, have fewer hobbies, have fewer interests, but get into those in a much deeper way. So you'll see these different patterns of behavior around the group. So if you were someone with an intervention preference who was going to have that networking event, and we know that for good or ill, networking is important in many areas of business, you can train yourself to do it. Just like any skill. It may not be, you know, just like writing with your other hand. You can learn to do it. It may not be the thing you do for fun, but you can make yourself do it. You can learn to approach people. You can practice your elevator pitch beforehand and go and talk to those people. You may need to hang out of a lie down afterwards, or you may <laughs> need to, when it's a coffee break, rather than chatting, go and walk around outside for a while and head back in. Yeah. But you yeah. can learn to do it. I mean, listening to you, I'm really, I really feel as though I want to spend some more time myself digging into the literature and really understanding the various, you know, types and uh, profiles and so forth. Because what I have seen is that because we so preoccupy with our own journeys, that we often underestimate how the the default of another human helps us flow in engagement, helps us thrive in an engagement. And 
if that can happen sooner than later, quicker, be able to assess in a way that honors that person, that really celebrates who they are, and you bring that type of energy, that is a beautiful thing. Where do we begin? I mean, you can go to your website. Is there any particular book or anything that you've written or one of your colleagues or someone that you recommend us digging into as a starting point? I think a really good book for this, uh, this actually speaks to absolutely what you just said, is a book which was actually written by Isabel Myers, one of the original authors of the Myers-Briggs type indicator, it's the name, and it's called Gifts Differing. So G-I-F-T-S, Gifts Differing. And it is this idea that we all have different gifts. We all are bringing different gifts to a party. And I think for me, one of the really great things about the Myers-Briggs approach, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier about these differences, but we are different with other people. And we could use those differences in all sorts of ways. We could say, you're different, therefore you're bad. Or you could, we could say, okay, okay, you're different from me. Now here's a framework that helps us to see how that works. And also to see actually how we can work together. And although we're different, those differences intermesh. What I don't like to do, you do like to do, and vice versa, and that means as a team, that's so much more effective. Have you ever seen a situation, and this is my final question to you, have you ever seen or observed or researched in and around a situation where the shifting and understanding either who a person is or who someone was engaging has radically changed their life to a point where they went from almost not making it to achieving a mind-blowing goal? <laughs> I, and she knows I talk about this, so it's okay. I'm going to use my partner as an example. Now, she was somebody, and in the jargon of type, she has a perceiving preference, as I do. It means she likes to keep options open. She doesn't like things tied down too much, likes things planned. But both her parents had what's called the judging preference, the opposite side. They were the people who really liked things planned and organized, and at school, they decided she was going on to Secretarial College. Now, she actually could have got, in the UK, the qualification called A-levels and got on to university, but they decided that's what she was going to do. And she spent the first part of her life thinking she had to be organized and controlled and structured, and everything had to be planned. And then at some point, she realized that wasn't, didn't have to be the case. She could be more spontaneous, and she could do different things, but she could throw in that job and do something really different. So she went to university, and she became a university lecturer. And understanding her personality, and especially understanding that the way she wanted to do things was not bad, was incredibly useful for that. Wow. John Haxton? Thank you for joining us on the Brain and Brand Show. Thank you.